The annual White House Correspondents' Dinner was this past weekend in Washington, D.C., and it's typically a nice break from the seriousness of politics in Washington and a great time for comedians to mock politicians and uh, pundits directly to their faces. While the politicians themselves get to trade barbs as well, even doing a little bit of self-deprecation. Basically, everyone is up there telling the truth for once, and they can all get away with it because it's, it's just a bit. We're all having a laugh. Just some good old-fashioned comedy. Just goofing. There are also some negative angles to the whole thing because it blatantly shows just how cozy a lot of journalists are with the people that they're tasked with covering and has led to some publications backing out of the dinner as a result. The Correspondents' Dinner, it's also seen by many to be the point at which Donald Trump committed to actually seriously committing to the bit of becoming president after he became the butt of a joke delivered by then-president Barack Obama in 2011. Yeah, yeah, that was one of many Geneses. Uh, another one was uh, a WGA writer's strike, which made uh, The Apprentice... Celebrity uh, Apprentice. Made The Celebrity Apprentice primetime television when previously it had been suffering in the ratings. And thank God there, we're never going to have to worry about any writer's strike. And also, CNN just announced the Trump Town Hall. We're back. So everything is one big loop that gets shorter and shorter the, the faster we careen toward the apocalypse. So yeah, but back to the white people correspondent. I'm sorry, White House correspondence <laughs> dinner. Yeah. We should probably point out that, yeah, presidents have historically been involved in these dinners. But uh, during his presidency, Donald Trump refused to attend the dinner every single year. Uh, but as a comedy consolation prize, here's a new photo of him from Scotland this week where he broke ground on yet another Trump golf course. They love him in Scotland, don't they? I think they do, right? Anyways, the event uh, got back to normal after missing some dates because of the pandemic. Uh, Biden has been involved during his presidency and, and this past week was no exception. But Biden was not the only one who was back because uh, please allow us to act all libbed up for a moment. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but everyone's favorite inside joke, uh, Dark Brandon also made an appearance. Oh, Dark Brandon showed up? Roy, the podium is yours. I'm going to be fine with your jokes, but I'm not sure about Dark Brandon. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. At this point, it's definitely a completely played out meme. And we're not even sure the conservatives are still using Brandon as a pejorative anymore. Though the fact that Dems actually embraced the term and turned it into a positive might have actually had something to do with that. They're selling Dark Brandon merch on his campaign yeah. website, too. It's over. The meme's over. Mm -hmm. It's Jover. <laughs> it is. Still, at the very least, it is kind of funny seeing the 80-year-old president of the United States bringing a formerly dank internet meme to life. Plus, he's only considered dark Brandon when he's actually making decisions that are popular with people on the left. And he hasn't been doing too much of that lately. No. So if he really wants to embrace the dark Brandon persona, he better get to work on gun control, abortion access, universal health care, and so on and so forth. That student loan forgiveness that was promised. All that stuff is dark Brandon energy, not yeah. putting on some glasses in front of a uh, you know expensive be, dinner. You know what would be the darkest thing Brandon could do is... Um call up uh, Diane Feinstein and make her actually resign from her job. Yeah, she's so, still out. So that the Dems aren't completely kneecapped in the Senate. That would be cool. Yeah. That would be real dark, Brandon. <laughs> real dank, Brandon. Anyway, Brandon did get some other digs in while he was on stage. And credit where it's due, 
It was the most energetic and lively we've seen him since that WWE-style entrance that he had in Ireland a few weeks back. Yeah, I um, think, in general, that just pepped him up a bit. I mean, a trip to Ireland will do that. Yeah, it he is, came back uh, and he's like, this is the perfect time for the correspondence dinner. I am amped. Yeah. I'm ready to go. It's like, you know, you, t- you use the Irish spring soap in the shower in the morning. Yeah. And you're like, wow, I feel ready. Every day in Ireland feels like that. Yeah. He should govern from there. The Fountain of Youth <laughs> is in Ireland. That's yes. why they've been fighting over it for so long. It is the Blarney Stone. That's why the Riffs refuse to completely give it all back. It would be so easy for them to do so. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, here's dark or normal Brandon uh, <laughs> making fun of Elon Musk. But not everybody loves NPR. Elon Musk tweeted that it should be defunded. Well, the best way to make NPR go away is for Elon Musk to buy it. Got him. Anyway, Musk has not responded to this criticism, <laughs> which is an incredible amount of restraint from a guy who flew back to Twitter HQ right after the Super Bowl to demand answers regarding Biden's Twitter popularity versus his own. Yeah. So the fact that he hasn't mentioned this, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Biden also took some jabs at Fox News. It's great the cable news networks are here tonight. MSNBC owned by NBC Universal. <laughs> Fox News owned by Dominion Voting Systems. And he also singled out Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marge. I want everybody to have fun tonight, but please be safe. If you find yourself disoriented or confused, it's either you're drunk or Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, so, yeah, then after doing the uh, the whole Dark Brandon bit, he handed the mic over to Roy Wood Jr., who, look, he killed it. And if he isn't made permanent host of The Daily Show, then Comedy Central literally has no idea what the fuck they're doing. Correct. Yeah, the episodes <laughs> where he was in charge were the best. No, he's good. Yeah, and he's already an on-staff correspondent. It's the easiest win they could take. Just, what are you doing? It would be better, though, if he just skipped The Daily Show and took over Don Lemon's old shift at <laughs> CNN and they just give him full creative control of that hour of primetime CNN. Yeah, that's a good idea. Unfortunately, like we mentioned before, they are going the complete opposite yeah. direction. They're going to put, like, Richard Spencer in Don Lemon's old spot. Yeah, well, the, like, just them doing a Trump town hall and just being like, you know what? Remember uh, in 2016? Remember how in 2015 we just aired every Trump rally uh, uncut because it was like good for ratings? And And then oops, he became president. Inadvertently just, uh, yeah, made him the inevitable uh, nominee. Yeah, good work, CNN. Uh, David Zucker, whatever. Uh, As the goofy meme would say, I'll fucking do it again. Oh, they are. Yeah, anyways, uh, he knocked it out of the park. He started things off with a joke about... uh, Brandon leaving some classified documents on stage. Y'all give it up for Dark Brandon. <laughs> happy to be here. Oh, real quick, Mr. President, I think you left some of your classified documents up here. You can get them. Yeah. yeah, no, don't give them to him. I'll put them in a safe place. He don't know where to keep them. I'm a... And then there was this bit about Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Anti-CRT policies are an attack on black history and an attempt to erase the contributions of black people from the history books. That's what it is. You are trying to erase black people, and a lot of black people wouldn't mind some of that erasure as long as that black person is Clarence Thomas. (laughs) A billionaire named Harlan Crow 
flying Clarence Thomas all over the world on unreported trips, like an Instagram model, taking Clarence. <laughs> this man bought a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> Do you understand how rich you have to be to buy a Supreme Court, a black one on top of that? <laughs> There's only two in stock. <laughs> and Harlan Crow owns half the inventory. We can all see Clarence Thomas, but he belongs to billionaire Harlan Crow. And that's what an NFT is. Uh, speaking of Clarence Thomas and the rest of that Supreme Court and all those other justices, um, they're facing an ethics investigation this week by the Senate Judiciary Committee. For some pretty justifiable reasons. I don't know if you'll, you've been keeping up here, but uh, <laughs> yeah. surely you remember the scandal from a few weeks back where, uh, thanks to an investigation by ProPublica, one of the last remaining outlets that does journalism. Yeah, seriously, uh, geez. It came to light that Clarence Thomas had been on the receiving end of lots of lavish gifts and luxurious vacations thanks to a Republican mega donor named Harlan Crow over the course of two decades. Yeah, a long time. Uh, but that wasn't all. It was also discovered that Harlan Crow purchased property from Clarence Thomas, and not only did Thomas never disclose any of this, apparently one of the homes belonged to Thomas's mother, who, even though the house had allegedly been sold to billionaire Harlan Crow, was still living in the house as if nothing had happened at all. Uh, also, Harlan Crow collects a lot of Nazi shit. There's a lot going on There's here. There's a, a lot with him. Uh, yeah, and also, people were coming out in defense, and then immediately people would just write back and be like, oh, cool, looks like he donated to you, too. Very odd that you would come out yeah, and defend this it guy. It was a really fun week where, but, yeah, every, every one of this guy's defenders, like, works for uh, some fucking, like, libertarian institute or some shit that, like, receives millions of dollars from Harlan Crow. But, Harlan Crow. But also, very specifically, buying... Clarence Thomas's the house that his mother lives in, and then being like, you know what? I think it's fine. Just I think uh, the old lady can stay. I think that this is how probably... old is Clarence Thomas's mom? My God, jeez. Anyway, in fact, after purchasing that property, Crow paid tens of thousands of dollars for improvements to the home, the home that Clarence Thomas's mom still lives in, as recently as two weeks ago. So, that's interesting. Yeah. Just you know, that's what friends do. He claims... buy each other's mom's houses. And, and then allow them to keep living there as if yeah. nothing happened. Yeah. Uh, also, he That's claimed, just bros being bros. Crow claimed that the improvements were because eventually he'll be turning the home into a museum that honors Clarence Thomas. Okay. Uh, but anyways, this is obviously a clear violation considering at the very least Thomas is legally obligated to disclose these types of transactions, which he never did. For the, from the ProPublica article, a federal disclosure law passed after Watergate requires justices and other officials to disclose the details of most real estate sales over $1,000. Thomas never disclosed his sale of the Savannah properties. That appears to be a violation of the law, four ethics law experts told ProPublica. The disclosure form Thomas filled out for that year also had a space to report the identity of the buyer in any private transaction, such as a real estate deal. That space is blank. Hmm. Weird. Uh, if everything was completely on the level, you would think someone as familiar with the laws as a Supreme yeah. Court justice would simply file these disclosures accurately. I, I do also love that uh, the idea of any real estate purchase being under $1,000. Yeah, even post-Watergate. Things sure have changed in this country. <laughs> One house, please. Yeah. Uh, but that's not all, because in the wake of the Clarence Thomas scandal, it also came to light that Justice Neil Gorsuch also sold some property recently. And, uh, look, big coincidence here, but would you believe that he sold that property to, quote, 
the head of a law firm that has multiple cases before the Supreme Court? For nearly two years, beginning in 2015, Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch sought a buyer for a 40-acre tract of property that he co-owned in rural Granby, Colorado. Nine days after he was confirmed by the Senate for a lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court, the then-Circuit Court judge got one. The chief executive of Greenberg Traurig, one of the nation's biggest law firms with a robust practice before the high court. Gorsuch, who held a 20% stake, reported making between $250,001 and $500,000 from the sale on his federal disclosure form. Gorsuch did not disclose the identity of the purchaser. That box was left blank. Since then, Greenberg Traurig has been involved in at least 22 cases before or presented to the court, according to a political review of the court's docket. Hmm. Yeah, but maybe maybe a tiny conflict of interest there. Yeah, and but look, I mean, look, I don't know. It's it's property and shit. Rich rich and powerful people are always buying highly sought after property yeah. that other people own. It's just suspicious that you know, looking for a buyer for, you know, a, quite a while before becoming a Supreme Court justice, and then hmm. just all of a sudden, oh, would you look? It just fell into my lap. Yeah. A buyer. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But. At the bare minimum, if all of this was supposed to be totally fine, then why did both justices explicitly leave those sections of their disclosures blank? So, yeah, probably smart to at least look into this and maybe set up some more rules regarding the ethical standards of the people who are literally in charge of how our country operates. Also, it bears repeating, even before we knew about all this financial stuff, it was a gigantic red flag that Clarence Thomas's wife, Ginny Thomas, was a stolen election conspiracy theorist who, at one point, texted Trump's chief of staff and tried to convince him to help overturn the 2020 election. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah. But back to the ethics investigation. Here's NPR with uh, some more info on that. The Senate Judiciary Committee will hold a hearing on Supreme Court ethics reform on Tuesday as questions continue to swirl about the business dealings of several justices. And it will proceed even without participation from U.S. Chief Justice John Roberts, who declined to testify. <laughs> Since the judiciary is a co-equal branch of government, Congress can't compel it to adopt a new set of ethical guidelines. Still, some lawmakers hope to hold the Supreme Court to higher standards. Several bills, including one introduced in February and another last week, would require the court to adopt an ethical code of conduct and establish a mechanism for examining potential violations, though they are not likely to advance in a split Congress. Ah, so yeah, classic impasse. Mm -hmm. Something clearly needs to be done. New rules in place. Uh, but we, we just can't do it because... Yeah even simple things that should be bipartisan, like uh, not having corruption in the <laughs> fucking Supreme Court. Ah, you can't move forward with that because our politicians are literally fucking insane. Yeah. And bad. Mm -hmm. And not good. Yeah, it seems like the moments immediately following the revelations that there might have been a little quid pro quo between millionaires, billionaires, and Supreme Court justices, that would be the perfect time to actually look into this, maybe create new legislation and actual codes of ethics and make them adhere to that. And there should probably be unanimous support from lawmakers during all of this, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of like the gun control argument. You just kick the can and the statement comes out. It's like, well, now's not the time to discuss this. Uh, when it really seems like immediately following a mass shooting is exactly the time that you should be discussing gun control, especially when there's a new mass shooting that resets the clock before they're even done handing out thoughts and prayers for the last one. But, speaking of insane politicians, guns, and a distinct intentional lack of empathy, Greg Abbott can go fuck himself. Yeah, so we said this a few weeks ago. Honestly, we, we, we would have to say it every week. 
to be specific, but yeah. we, we don't like covering all this mass shooting stuff in this country because they are horrific, way too frequent, and very maddening because everyone just yells at each other for a few days and then forgets about it. And before you can even start raising the flags back up from half-mast, another mass shooting. Mm -hmm. -da -da -da. This weekend was, of course, uh, no different, but that didn't stop Texas Governor Greg Abbott from taking the opportunity to put out the most uh, dehumanizing response to a mass shooting in his state that we may have ever seen. Just real goblin shit. Yes. Uh, you probably already know the details. Basically, a dude shot and killed five people, including a young boy, uh, because someone complained about him shooting his gun in his yard, uh, which I guess he's allowed to, I don't know. Texas is an interesting state, but yeah, he was shooting his gun, just pop, pop, and they were like, hey, it's loud, you're firing a gun. Please stop. Uh, and he, so he killed a whole family. So yeah, the morning after the shooting, while the suspect was still on the loose, and, and by the way, remains on the loose as of when we filmed this, uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott posted a photo of his golden retriever with the caption, all smiles for the weekend. This is after the shooting took place. Yeah. Yeah. It only got worse from there because when Abbott finally did acknowledge the shooting, he made sure to specifically mention that everyone killed were actually just illegal immigrants. And also that the gunman was an illegal immigrant too. All his words and some of the most dehumanizing language used to describe the victims of a tragedy that we've seen in recent memory. Also, uh, not even true in uh, several yeah, we'll cases. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to it, yeah. but uh, So on Sunday, two days after the shooting took place, and a day after the All Smiles for the Weekend post, Abbott posted the following to Twitter. I've announced a $50,000 reward for information on the criminal who killed five illegal immigrants Friday. Also directed Operation Lone Star to be on the lookout. Oh, be on the lookout. Okay, cool. Uh, great. And also, very nonchalant way to describe uh, people who were murdered in your state by a gunman who's still on the loose. Yeah, um... Yeah, so... So, yeah, the full <laughs> statement read, in part, Governor Greg Abbott today announced a $50,000 reward for a Texas Department of Public Safety top 10 fugitive who is in the country illegally and killed five illegal immigrants in a shooting Friday night in Cleveland, Texas. Why? Why, specifically, when relating to the victims, if nothing else, yeah. would anyone uh, make extra sure to remind everyone reading that these were illegal immigrants? Don't worry, they weren't people. They were illegals. Uh, but yeah, legitimately disgusting behavior. Also, the suspect is still on the loose as of when we filmed this. And uh, it came to light that this dehumanizing racism uh, might have also just been inaccurate because uh, not that it fucking matters in the grand scheme of things. Um, she's fucking dead. But one of the victims was actually a permanent legal resident. And Abbott's office admitted that in another callous and nonchalant statement made to the press. Uh, here's the Texas Tribune. Abbott's office issued a statement on Monday afternoon that suggested unnamed federal officials provided mistaken information indicating that all five victims were in the country illegally. Since Abbott's initial comment Sunday, evidence has surfaced that one of the victims was a permanent legal resident of the United States. We've since learned that at least one of the victims may have been in the United States legally, Abbott spokesperson Renee Ezzi said in the statement. We regret if the information was incorrect and detracted from the important goal of finding and arresting the criminal. The statement did not address criticism that Abbott's language focused on the victim's immigration status instead of the victims and their families. Though, as they noted, any loss of life is a tragedy, and our hearts go out to the families who've lost a loved one. They're all tragedies, just some are less tragic than others because, well, illegals. You know. It's just like a fucking insane way to, like, 
Like you got, I got, I have to clarify. The people killed here. Uh, before you start feeling too sad about a family being wiped out, some of them weren't here legally. So, who's to say whether it's insane. they deserved it or also, not? Also, fuck could, you. You could maybe assume that the uh, response from law enforcement was maybe maybe not as uh, proactive, uh, considering that, and maybe allowed this guy to leave the area. Um, yeah, it's it's nuts and ghoulish behavior from the governor of the state where it took place. <sighs> All right, we, let's chill out, let's calm down. We do have more to get to today, including some absolutely inconsequential AI bullshit that is, at the very least, funny to watch and talk about, and also a very strange occurrence during a night out for fans of classical music. You simply cannot attend the opera these days without things going horrifically awry. So yes, more to get to, uh, some fun stuff, but uh, let's clear the air here and get the negativity out of the room with another clip from the White House Correspondents' Dinner. And also, speaking of drag queens, can, can we stop with the grooming stuff? Can you stop talking about that? Drag queens are not at a school to groom your kids. Stop it. And even if they were, most of them kids gonna get shot at school. It ain't no problem. Don't groan, pass legislation. <laughs> like they boobs gonna bother me. I'm like, I'm like Mitch McConnell. I ain't got no soul. All right, that's, that's better. Now we can spend the rest of the episode joking about things, which is good. But first, let's take a quick second to thank Athletic Greens for coming through and sponsoring this episode and also keeping us on track with our health goals and, well, our bowel movements too. We both take AG1 by Athletic Greens every morning. It's not only e the easiest way to make sure you're getting yeah. all your daily vitamins. It's also great for keeping that gut nice, healthy, mm -hmm. regular, yeah. on the schedule. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like you a, can set like... your watch to it. <laughs> <laughs> AG1 is just one scoop of powder in water. It tastes great and makes you feel good. AG1 is way more than greens. It's all your key health products like multivitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more working together as one. It's made with 75 super high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients that deliver benefits like mood, immune system, and sleep support, sustained energy, and so much more. AG1 is daily nutrition made really simple. With just one scoop, I get the nutrients and gut health support that, <laughs> that helps my whole body thrive <laughs> and covers my nutritional bases. Okay? AG1 has quickly become just as important as that first cup of coffee for me. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash itdaily. That is athleticgreens.com slash itdaily. Check it out. Links are in the description below. Check it out. Mm -hmm. All right, back to the news now. And it appears as though, if the reporting and included... Audio mm -hmm. is to be believed. Uh, someone who was in the audience enjoying LA's incredible Philharmonic Orchestra was so moved by the experience that it caused them to have what is being described as a, quote, loud, full-body orgasm. I mean, that's how I get every time I'm driving up the 110 and I see that big bearded man with a <laughs> violin on yeah. the side of that parking garage. Mm -hmm. Like, hey. He can get it. 
Yeah. I, I believe the Americana brand memes called that guy every Father's Day. They're like, Happy Father's Day to uh, LA's dad. <laughs> yeah. You see it? He looks great. <laughs> they, he, Sometimes the tree grows too big in that spot. And that you can't, guy's probably like in his 60s now. That photo has been up there for like 25 years. Yeah. It's very <laughs> old. Also, this is like, I think this is a thing. Like, people do have this kind of response to music. Yeah. Certain people... You know, before the age of social media and all this, uh, you know, way, way back, the only way you could hear music at all was to go down to the local symphony. And can you imagine uh, not hearing any music for weeks, months, years on end, and hearing a full fucking orchestra? Yeah. If, yeah. You're, not, if you're not having a standing O, then you're, uh, you're, you're not enjoying it. A sitting O, a standing O, it doesn't matter. An orgasm yeah. is an orgasm. Uh, yeah, no, I think there's, but there's a term for it. I can't remember it, but, uh, like, what is it? Synesthesia or something? <laughs> yeah. Is that when you can see the music? Never mind. There um, is a, there no, is a. This, is, this, I think this would fall under synesthesia as well. It's like that, uh, uh, the people that get off on, like, the licking microphones on YouTube kind of uh, stuff. Yeah, those people are freaks, though. This, <laughs> this person is totally normal. This is They're, what happens at post-pandemic. They go out in public. This person having an orgasm at the or orchestra is actually the most normal person on earth. They're actually, they're living. We're all, we're all out here sleepwalking and they're living. Everyone's jealous of this person. Anyway, yeah, we're not entirely sure if the audio clip is real. Uh, it's being posted around social media, so we're going to, we're going to play the audio from the performance and you can tell us what you think in the comments below, but here you go. Okay, well. Interesting. So yeah, regardless, uh, concerning, whether, regardless of whether or not that's the actual audio, uh, we are inclined to believe it is. The story itself is real and has been corroborated by many in attendance and has been reported on in the local paper of record, the Los Angeles <laughs> Times. <laughs> yeah. So here you go. Molly Grant was enjoying the Los Angeles Philharmonic's performance of Tchaikovsky's Fifth Sympathy. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. Fifth Sympathy on Friday at the Walt Disney Concert Hall when she heard what she described as a scream slash moan erupt from the balcony. Quote, everyone kind of turned to see what was happening. Grant, who was seated near the person who allegedly made the noise, told the Times on Sunday in a phone interview, I saw the girl after it had happened, and I assumed that she had an orgasm because she was heavily breathing and her partner was smiling and looking at her, like in an effort to not shame her. It was quite beautiful. Multiple people who attended the LA Phil concert on Friday reported hearing a woman making a moaning noise during the symphony's second movement. One attendee, composer and music producer Magnus Fiends, uh, described the sound on Twitter as that of a person having a, quote, loud and full-body orgasm. An alleged audio recording of the moment, where someone can be heard crying out during a quiet beat in the music, was making the rounds on social media. Attendees who spoke to the Times said that the clip was similar to what they'd heard. So, maybe that's... That's single confirmation, not yeah. double confirmation, but it sounds this similar. Our generations is a pruder tape. It is. <laughs> We're going to be playing this thing back for decades. Uh, the reporting continues because fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Friends who went to the LA Philharmonic last night are reporting that in the middle of the show, some lady had a screaming orgasm to the point where the whole orchestra stopped playing, tweeted journalist Jocelyn Silver. Some people really know how to live. However, uh, people in attendance said that the musicians played through the disturbance without stopping. Professionals. Yeah. It would be funny if that was true, though. <laughs> like that meme of the guy with like the... Stand up bass? What? <laughs> Excuse me? 
Uh, classical pianist Sharon Sue tweeted that she checked with someone who works at the LA Phil, and they confirmed that the orchestra continued playing through the commotion, like the consummate professionals they are, who make fucking the shittiest wages you can imagine. Uh, it's it's the the professional uh, orchestral musician trade is one of the most exploitive careers you can get into. These people do it for the love of music and are absolutely taken advantage of for it. Yeah. I would give them a raise for this one. Well, now they got to bump the ticket prices. People yeah. are literally coming. Come for the music, stay for the show. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we do love that the discrepancy in the story is whether or not the musicians stop playing because of the gigantic orgasm. Uh... The Times has contacted the L.A. Phil for comment, but has not been able to identify or contact the person who made the sound. Other audience members disputed the orgasm theory, offering that the woman could have made the noise while waking after having fallen asleep. No. Some worried that it could have been related to a medical condition or emergency. No. One attendee who was seated in the road directly behind the person who made the noise said it appeared as if the woman was waking up from a sleep attack when she made the sound. Oh, that's actually interesting, because I have had the misfortune of attending the opera multiple times, not because I wanted to, but because it was included in some like foreign guided tours that I've been on, where everything, I'm like, oh, this is all great. And they're like, all right, now you've been walking around this foreign city all day, uh, let, let, now let's go to the fucking opera for three hours. And every time I have, I have never fallen asleep as quickly as like violently like a lullaby. as I have when I each time I attended the opera the first time I was knocked out the second time I'm like all right let's at least try to like try to figure out why people like this shit and even then just out so I this actually does make sense yeah 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 it's it is funny though because it's literally it's the as far as like reviews or critiques of the music go it's literally the opposite of having an orgasm to the music, they're so bored by it, yeah. they're falling asleep. Also, it's just the second movement. I don't know how many movements there are, but that's pretty early on, it sounds like. <laughs> I think it was, uh, uh, what's the fucking Christmas opera? The Nutcracker? Yeah, I was struggling during that. The And, and that one's actually, like, exciting, or, like, the music, at least, is, like, very lively and exciting. But, yeah, there's just something about it. It's, like, it does something to your brain where, like, I'm like, like, if this was 1800, like, I'd be losing my mind. This would be the most exciting. This incredible. But yeah, this would be crazy. The problem with that, with uh, Nutcracker, I remember saying at the time, after leaving, uh, the problem was that once you've seen Cirque du Soleil, no opera can compare. Yeah. Or ballet. Sorry, ballet. Yeah, that is, that is true. It's like, I understand yeah. the physical toll that they put their bodies through to stand like that and do these you know, very subtle but beautiful jumping and prancing numbers. But once you've seen a guy like you know, do a backflip on a motorcycle off a trampoline or something like that, it's kind of hard to get excited about. Yeah. Also, the uh, opera voice, very annoying. The only reason they did that was because they didn't have amplification. Yeah. We got microphones now. You don't have to sing like that. So I think we're, we're on the page of this person probably Yeah. Asleep. Yeah. The, you know, the time has come to uh, move past the opera. Unless it was an orgasm, in which case we have to go yeah. see all this stuff in person. Mm. What was she cooking? <laughs> uh, quote, pretty quickly she sort of fell onto her partner's shoulders and then onto his lap and then her body went limp, recalled an audience member who requested anonymity to discuss the incident. We got sources. <laughs> Maybe like five seconds later she kind of awoke and that's when she let out a scream. 
I know someone else mentioned she was smiling, but I'm pretty sure she was just really embarrassed because other people were looking at her, the audience member told the Times. Another concert goer emailed the Times to say he heard the noise, but did not think it was a sound of ecstasy. The LA Phil's online program notes include this description of the second movement of Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 5. The luscious main theme was adapted for a popular love song. Mm. Tchaikovsky's skillful orchestration, however, lifts the mood from sentimentality to high romanticism. The movement's principal melody is presented in a memorable solo by the horn, followed by other appealing woodwind solos. All right. So they're kind of... I think they saw the reaction and they're like, we have to play this up as an orgasm. Otherwise, it's people just falling asleep during yeah. our show. Or she was getting, uh, you know. Yeah, that's the thing is it could be both. It could be she lost, you know, she lost control. She was having such a violent, as yeah. they call it, full body orgasm that she lost control, went down for a sniff, and then yeah. erupted. Who's to say? <laughs> there are a lot of ways this could go, but we may never know unless this woman makes her side of the story public. I'm, I'm afraid she never will. Yeah. <laughs> but I hope she does. This is the one time she remained silent. Anyway, also, we can't confirm the legitimacy of this, but it's being picked up by other outlets, so uh, fuck it. It apparently was a pretty wild weekend for bodily functions at music venues because apparently someone ripped what is being described as a sinister fart during the quiet part of a performance by the metal band Sleep Token. Uh, if for some reason this gets struck for audio, we will cut it and leave a link in the description. But uh, here you go. You tell us what you hear. And yeah, I mean, everyone around the sound reacts laughing. Well, metal music should never get quiet enough that you can hear fart. So that's... <laughs> yeah, I think you've you've nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, here's Loudwire with their reporting because there's really not much else to say about this, but uh, they know more about the band than we do. So here you go. All the chatter amongst fans is more than just hot air, as the Sleep Token's unique blend of crunching metallic rhythms, soul, R&B, and pop has connected with an incredibly wide bass. What was a bunch of hot air, however, was a seriously gnarly fart that gave a new meaning to the age-old silent but deadly adage, letting loose during a soft part of the song Atlantic and loud enough for all to hear and proceed with a giggle. Incredibly, singer Vessel barely broke his vocal stride at all, even as others in attendance began to laugh. You know, this could have been an inside job. There's a there's a, a, a pedal, the fart pedal. <laughs> maybe the guitarist uh, threw it in... Or maybe someone put, someone put it in the guitarist pedal board and he's like, oh God. Yeah, there you go. It, it doesn't even, they're not even like tonal farts. It just it just turns it into like any sound that goes through the pedal that is above a certain uh, threshold just uh, triggers one of like seven fart well, sounds. I, I believe it was during a piano. From what I've seen in the video, it's like a very calm, quiet part and the singer's playing like a piano thing. What? Uh, but again, musicians, professionals, they just kept trucking on, oh, like, yeah. like the people that played when the Titanic was going down. Both the L.A. Phil and Sleep Token yeah. just kept right on trucking. But yeah, at least this one was funny, uh, and I guess the orgasm one was too, because, look, it could be worse. Last year, someone shit in the middle of a mosh pit at the Turnstile show, <laughs> which is gross and also a biohazard. Did that just get everywhere? Yeah, oh, uh, yeah it apparently ended up on stage, You too. wouldn't notice that, like, at first, because you're not... You slip in it. Yeah, you can't really see. And then you do a couple spin kicks. Oh, God. People are doing cartwheels and all kinds of stuff, oh, just spreading it around. Oh, Lord. Uh, but the responses to this, you know, 
the pooping itself, not funny. Don't do it. But the responses at the time were funny. Uh, someone shitted in the turnstile <laughs> pit last night. No lie. Shitted. <laughs> and then one of the promoters tweeted, I can't believe this, but yes, human shit ended up on stage last night during turnstile. Uh, as hilarious as this is, it's also disgusting and <laughs> extremely unsafe. Please, if you have any idea who it was, please let me know, as that person should not be allowed at shows ever again. <laughs> uh, and then a just a casual drama enjoyer uh, chimed in saying, Imagine you wake up and see the entire West Coast talking about you shitting on the floor at the Turnstile show. Huh. So, yeah, I mean, we're not entirely sure what's going on at concerts these days, but uh, they are breaking boundaries. People are in new, exciting ways of being comfortable in these scenarios. Too comfortable. Everyone needs to get a little bit more uptight. <laughs> Farts at metal shows, poop at hardcore, orgasms at the Philharmonic. We need another pandemic. You guys aren't ready for the real world yet. <laughs> and also, I'd like to add that for sure, a bunch of Bad Bunny fans pissed themselves because they were staked out front row at Coachella for like eight hours. From the second doors opened until the second Bad Bunny performed, there were dozens of people that were there the entire time. And some of them had to have pooped or peed themselves. Yeah. It's just impossible for that not to have happened. Everyone just needs to calm down. Yeah. Everyone kind of lost it during the pandemic, and they are not prepared to reacclimate. Please be better. Anyway, before we get out of here, uh, yeah, there's more AI discourse. And yeah, it's all dumb. Mm -hmm. It's dumb as hell. But it's dumb in a way that makes the most vocal proponents of AI seem very gullible, stupid, and also blind. So every time a new AI video hits social media, hundreds of the loudest and dumbest blue checks on the platform start screaming about how Hollywood is so finished. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Enjoy that writer's strike. It's the last one you'll ever get the chance to do. Exactly. Um, and yeah, this it's definitely the end of production jobs. All you fucking, the entire Hollywood production pipeline. Done. Going bye-bye, thanks to AI. And that's, of course, odd, and I think voice actor uh, Zane Schacht summarized it best when he tweeted the following after this latest round of uh, AI is going to destroy Hollywood nonsense. One thing I've noticed about AI art people is they're actively hostile towards creators in ways I don't see from actual artists. It's not enough to say this algorithm created a movie trailer. They have to be like, Hollywood is fucked. The old world is dying. Behold my wonders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 that's the... They're very angry that they are not themselves creative enough yeah. to do anything And that's correctly. always been, like... Yeah. The thing that just immediately turns me off from these things is that the, it, it, at least the people using it who are most loud uh, all seem to actively uh, hate, like, creativity and art in every medium. And, um, yeah, it's like, I mean, all this stuff... The the video stuff's getting it's getting good. I'll give it that, yeah. but it's still nowhere near like no one's making a fucking movie out of this shit. It's it it has a lot of uses for like pre visualization. Um, like this would be really useful for someone maybe pitching a script, where this uh, is what it might look like yeah. once we uh, actually do the work. Like that, it has it definitely has its uses. It's interesting, but like the idea that a whole movie is gonna be made from this, like it, it might happen, but it's not gonna be good. Cause this isn't, the thing The thing that makes movies good is their originality, their creative uh, point of view. Mm -hmm. And this shit is just like putting every movie that's ever existed in a fucking blender and just shitting out like uh, something that, I mean, it's, it's basically doing what a lot of movie studios are already doing. So yeah. I guess in that sense, uh, 
uh oh, but like yeah, there it, eventually <laughs> it's going to be like a bunch of purists who are like, oh, I only watch movies that are written and produced by humans. I mean, yeah, could it could happen? Yeah, but uh, so uh, look, what's killing Hollywood now? Well, honestly, probably the writers' strike. If the <laughs> studios don't get off their lazy, greedy asses, start meeting some demands. But on Twitter, AI is responsible for the death of Hollywood productions, yeah. even commercials. R.I.P. Hollywood. Because over the weekend, a few examples of AI-produced commercials started appearing. And we're just going to show you some of this stuff because, I mean, we're actually wondering, are these people blind? Or are they just blinded by their fanaticism about AI taking jobs away I, from actual creators? I, this only makes sense if you are sitting like across the room from your computer, like looking <laughs> yeah. at it from so far away that you're like, any, yeah. Any pause or any just looking at it for more than a second, you're like, this is these are monsters. Yeah, this is this is eldritch terror. Yeah, <laughs> here you go. Are you ready for best pizza of life? Bring friends down to Pepperoni Hug Spot. Our chefs make pizza with heart and special touch. Cheese, pepperoni, vegetable, and more secret things. Need delivery? Pizzas come fast. Knock, knock, who's there? Pizza magic. Eat pepperoni hug spot pizza. Your tummy say thank you. Your mouth say, mmm. Pepperoni hug spot. It's like family, but with more cheese. looks like fucking dog shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, sure, we wouldn't put it past big Hollywood studios or even smaller production companies to use this tech to make a commercial for a product. Uh, Quiznos isn't doing so good anymore, but I could see them really... Uh, Quiznos did have those uh, weird little yeah. animals uh, they, they 20 love years the moon. ago. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're not entirely sure that this is going to yield the results that they're hoping for. Also, with the writer's strike looming, it will be interesting to see if some absolute moron executive decides to test the union and just starts pitching AI as a replacement because, whoo boy, yeah, I, I, I kind of hope they do it. <laughs> it. Well, the problem is the results won't be visible for a year with yeah, all the stuff that's going into production. So that's true. everything that's already been written and produced, everyone for like the next six months is going to be like, whoa, look. Mm. What nothing bad has happened except for the late night shows aren't in yeah. production. Um, but again, as people pointed out, like 16 years ago, you had Conan O'Brien, who is a <laughs> comic mastermind who can at least kill some time. Yeah, and even he, like he made it like meta enough that it was fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's anyway. We're yeah. sure that some of you, some of you, are old enough to remember the writer's strike. Uh, to the, from 2007, but uh, yeah, it was a wild time. If it happens again, things could get a lot weirder, looks like. Yeah. Well, we'll keep you updated on it's that. It's Saturday Night Live featuring ChatGPT and Bobby Moynihan. Uh, luckily, uh, a lot of the uh, actors and the rest of the production people are uh, on the side of the union, so right. not going to be participating. So right. it will have to be these like really fucked up video versions, too. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Anyways, that's it for today. Uh, make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, and if you haven't already, please make sure to watch our other videos. Weekly Weird News 
was a triumph this weekend. A new character came into existence. Arthur Knight, English gentleman and dandy. And he is a very bad person who is a very entertaining character. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, there you go. So make sure you watch that and uh, the most recent episode of News Dump. We'll be back for some tech news soon. In the meantime, hit the like button. Do it. Do Leave it. a comment. Discuss uh, the AI and whatever else we talked about today. The, oh, the fart. Yeah. The fart and the orgasm. Yeah. What do you think? Which side of the aisle are you on? Bye.